This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. Making your return to Chicago for the first time since 1988, the NBA All-Star Game and the surrounding events of the weekend took the city over. One of the biggest stories was the release of designer Joe Freshgood's No Emotions Are Emotions col- collaboration with New Balance. The collaboration included a line of clothes, accessories, and two signature sneakers, one of which, the DBM New Balance 992 Anatomy of a Heart, will undoubtedly be on the short list for the 2020 sneaker of the year. We should also call out that the other shoe in the collection, the New Balance Omnis, Dopey Man, No Emotions Are Emotions, were debuted on the feet of none other than Los Angeles Clippers star Kawhi Leonard, who is also sponsored by New Balance. The collection sold out pretty much immediately, which caused demand this crazy spike on a third-party reseller market. As I read this, the lowest offered price on StockX for a pair of the DBM 992s is around 450, 500 bucks. So to get to the bottom of how this collaboration came to life, we held the private debut of a new collaboration between Office Hours and JFG Talks, a new initiative founded by Fresh Goods aiming to build a platform for cultural conversations. Joining us to provide decades of industry insight and experience, as well as his encyclopedic knowledge of sneakers. I am not kidding. Good Lord, that man knows everything about sneakers. The legendary DJ Clark Kent. Traditionally, Chicago is not a market that is known for selling a lot of New Balance sneakers. So keep that in mind. So question we're trying to answer today. How did Joe Freshgoods, a native Chicagoan, end up signing with New Balance? So to get to the answer to that question, we have to examine two concepts at the intersection of business and culture, balance and fit. Now, let's dive into that for a little bit. See, balance can mean a lot of things in this context. Balance can mean the balance between business and family. It can mean the balance between overextending yourself and having a full life. It can mean working for a bunch of different brands and trying to stay connected to where you're from. It can mean changing your perspective. It's all about balance. And as for fit, it's exactly that. How do you fit in? How do you fit into a scene that you're a part of or a local culture that you belong to? Do you fit in? Do you want to even fit in? It's all just a very interesting concept. And I think it's important to call out that creatives like Joe balance life and work They want to make an impact culturally, but they also want to be the perfect parent who never misses a recital. So it's it's tough to do these things. And I think if we can figure out how people do more of these balancing acts, we might be able to create a, a community where people can explore cultural passions while also being around for their kids. And it's all about balance and fit. After the break, enjoy the conversation between me, Joe Fresh Goods, and DJ Clark Kent. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I just had to get everybody excited to let you know that the process was now beginning. Uh, welcome to Office Hours presents ba- Balance and Fit. Really excited to be taking part in this. It's a very fantastic weekend over All Star 2020. Uh, make some noise if you enjoy basketball. People are like, man. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to get right to it. Um, tonight, yeah, it's fine. 
So tonight we have the great honor and privilege of being able to have a cultural conversation around how we got to this point, how we got to this room, how we got to this collection, more importantly, how Joe, a native Chicagoan, ended up doing a deal New Balance. How do we get to this point? So we want to take a step back, but we want to approach it from a qualitative standpoint. That means it's not about the numbers, it's about the impact and the culture that created this moment. So get excited. Joe, Fresh Goods, how are you, sir? I'm good. Okay. DJ Clark Kent, how are you, sir? I'm blessed. And let me be very clear. For those who do not know who DJ Clark Kent is, shame on you, for one. Number two, DJ Clark Kent is an icon, a cultural influencer that influences the influencers. This man has been in the A&R. This man has made some of the best remixes you've ever heard in your life. You probably don't know he had a part in them, but he did. Uh, sneaker influencer, without a doubt. I mean, your recaps every year, I feel like people kind of look at those as like those are the, the mark of the best sneakers of the year. Do we think Joe's sneakers going to be in the best 25 of 2020? Pretty much. Yeah? I watched one day, I was, I was like, uh, it was like 2 in the morning, I was watching Fools. What's the name of the show? Fools Sizer? And he was, no, no, it was a complex thing. Yeah. And it was going over the That was you with Russ. Yeah. And I was like, performance for the year. But yeah, so, you know, that's my goal is be on that list this year. Okay. I honestly think that when people are doing things, this is, you know you my man, so I'm going to say this. I don't, when I think, when people are doing things, I don't think they should be looking to try to get something. I think they should be looking to try to tell a story. And you're telling a story. So, if the story resonates properly, then people are going to speak about it to become a sneaker of the year thing. But if that's what you, if that's what people are shooting for, they should probably never ever try that. They should just try to make dope shit because if it's dope, that's all that really matters. Totally. So this leads us to the topic of tonight's conversation: the themes of balance and fit. Now, balance and fit, you probably know what those words mean, but in the context we're applying to them tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of cultural examples of balance and fit and how we kind of use those concepts to affect things like culture, things like clothes, things like music, all of the above. I want to start with a question for both of you. When it comes to the word balance, I think the hardest thing about becoming an entrepreneur or a business person within yourself is the balance between doing everything, right? You, you, know, you have family, you have to be there for your family. You have uh, obligations with you know, folks who may work for you or partners that you may have in collaboration. How do you balance all of that? Um, for me, it's teamwork now. I used to pride myself on um, doing everything uh, from start to finish myself, uh, like my early 20s. Like, I'm going to come up with a shirt. I'm going to post that shirt on my big cartel. I'm going to ship that shirt. And it was cool, you know? Yeah. So I think the, uh, it was kind of cool being a one-man team because it was kind of cool to say I do all this by myself. Right. But now, doing activations like this, it's a huge team. Um, and I think now it just kind of helps me, like, at this, like, even on All-Star Weekend, like, I have a schedule of places I have to be at. So I have my assistant, I have my manager, I have my lawyer, I have my accountant, I have a team that does my build-out. So it's just like, you know, and I, you know, still, sometimes I, I, I still get overwhelmed because even with all of that around me, it's, it's tough to, you know, move full steam sometimes. But it's just like all about having a team that can help you balance your life, you know, you okay. work for yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm older, so the way that I balance things is um, I make a choice on what's the most important thing to me. Prioritize. The most important thing to me is my family. And then I let everything trickle down from that. So everything that I do has to be good for my family. Mm -hmm. Every decision that I make has to work out for my family. I can't 
take every trip if I'm going to miss my family. I can't do every record if I'm going to miss my family. If, if, if it doesn't effectively do good for my family, I, I'm not going to do it. So I choose what's most important, and then everything balances itself out. So going to the concept of fit, right? Fit can mean a lot of things. It can mean how your clothes look on you. It can mean where you are in terms of the cultural zeitgeist. It can mean a lot of things. What I want to talk about right now is kind of the zeitgeist. I'm out here. New Yorker subscriber. Fuck with me. Um, what I want to talk about right now is the concept of fitting in. Okay? A lot of times I feel like as designers and as creatives, a lot of people don't want to fit in. But I want to ask you both, is there a time you can see in your own careers where it was more important to fit in than it was to stand out? Um, I think because I, uh, I respect design so much, I won't say that uh, I'm a designer. Okay. I'll say I work on shoes. I say I'll work on a jacket. I'll say I'll try to figure some things out. So because of that, my main goal is because, because I'm such a consumer is, I want to make things that consumers want. And because I don't think I'm above the average consumer or below the, the average consumer, I feel like when I make something, I'm actually trying to make it so people can wear it, not so people can put it on a shelf and go, look, I got it, no one else has it. I want people to wear it. So when I create in that vacuum, I, I can't do anything but fit in. I'm not even trying to. Yeah. So when I do something that's crazy, like if you see me yeah. wearing a bespoke that no one's gonna have, or no, it's because my mind is going crazy. But like when I'm making, when I'm creating for a brand, I'm creating because I want people to actually wear it. And I also understand that there's 5% of the world that are the, the real creators. And those 5% have to figure out how to get the other 95% to wear their stuff. Right. So I don't believe I'm one of the 5%. I believe I'm somewhere in that, you know, 10% right under right. the five who can make some cool things so that the rest can wear them. Because I actually want people to wear it. So right. I, I don't make things just so I can have it. I mean, I, I really, I'm in love with the idea of the lifestyle brand. So my whole thought process on uh, fitting in is kind of been like not fitting in, you know? Okay. I think when we really talk about what it means to own a, and have a lifestyle brand, it's just like everything that I love, everything that I grew up on, I just put it out through my art, you know? So it's just like, I'm only telling stories from how I came up, you know? Um, I don't expect everybody to get my concepts or just the corner stove. When I did the beauty supply installation, like, I just do stuff that I like. Right. Um, so just like, I know I'm fitting in with the people that's supported me from where I come from, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of things I do, a lot of reference that I pull from back in the day, that's like I put into shoes, I yep. put into clothes now. <clears throat> I know a lot of people understand that, but that's okay though, you know? So let's take a moment to try to unpack that because, so no emotions are emotions. Right, that's the, the theme, the collection. And, and I want to get a sense because I think you explained it in the video that announced the campaign, but I don't know if it necessarily resonated. So if you, if you don't mind, I would love for you to kind of walk us through, A, how you got to that point of that concept and what those cultural influences were that inspired you to make this campaign and then how you kind of took it and ended up where we are today. Yeah, uh, it's really, it's, I, I went backwards this time. You know, I think this time around I decided to go let me go, let me figure out the colorway first, and let me build a story off the colorway, okay. which is normally not how things work. Usually you think of like, I wanna 
Um, well, how do things usually work for the folks who don't know? Um, I mean, everybody designs differently, you know? I think usually it's like I come up with a concept, come up with a mood board, work with my graphic designer, and we, you know, we, we bang out. This time around, it was just like, like I, I think sometimes you can ruin product, product bites with too much storytelling. Okay. Like, I think it's just like, damn, I knew you grew up on that street, I knew that's your favorite part, but you don't gotta have all that in the shoe. Wait, wait, you just set me up for an alley-oop. Joe, how do you balance that? <laughs> I mean, I think I did it perfectly with the shoe. Okay. Honestly, you know what I mean? Cause it's just like, I just wanted to make a cute ass shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really what it is. Like, you, I want people for like the rest of the time to be like, oh, that's Joe New Balance. Like not, oh, that's Joe shoe that, that means he grew up on the west side and it's a, it's Italian beef on it, and that's deep dish. Yeah, like, deep dish pizza. Like, no, it's like that's super corny. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, I, you know, if I see one more Chicago shoe, this this all star, we we get it. We've been telling the same stories forever. So this is just like, honestly, I wanted to make a cute ass shoe, mm-hmm. and let me develop a story off this cute ass shoe. I made a cute ass shoe. You feel me? Yeah, So I just with the with with the no emotions on motion. It was like when I got approached to um, do the basketball shoe. You know, rest in peace to Kobe. But it. It, it's messed up because I wanted to develop a mantra for um, Kawhi okay. and tie it into like I, I love I do love telling stories with my brand so right. it's like I have dope I used to be called Dope Boy Magic but if you know you know you know um, started off being called Dope Boy Magic I, I got sued and all that stuff so I had to change over to Don't Be Mad mm. adopted a smiley face you know and then I just thought about how I developed my brand with Kawhi no smile whatever so I just tried to make a story work with both brands and that was the outcome okay. So then let's go into the concept itself. So the, no emotions are emotions. You know, you, you made references to kind of the, the reality for a lot of black men where, you know, you can't really kind of put yourself out there. You have to kind of be reserved a little bit. You have to be that pragmatic kind of cold poker face kind of thing. And I think that's something that may not necessarily apply to everybody, but it's something that I think a lot of people understand oh, about like, yeah. black men. Which is, which is really deep because like I kind of got killed by the mental health community and that wasn't my goal, you know. Like I, that was, this was probably the most, um, I, I'm not gonna say I keep things safe, but like this was the first time I was like, damn man, I don't know, I don't, I don't wanna, people might not get where I'm coming from. I think overall it was positive, but like when I first posted the, I think the t-shirt, the campaign was first announced, it was a couple people that was like, but you telling people to bottle their emotions? And I'm like, nah, that's not where I'm coming from. And that's when I realized like, damn, art is very subjective. Because what I decided to call this shoe and the concept it came from, it was the opposite, but if you, you could take it how you want to take it, you know, but it was just like, I, um, I I speak through my work, you know, I'm not the type of person that's like, you know, let me flaunt like that, I like to show out sometimes, but that's just sometimes, so this whole no emotions or, or emotion thing, it tied back to my, how I like to run my brand, you know, sometimes I look at myself like the underdog in the, in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. and how Kawhi just, you know, he ball out, you know, he's not really that talkative, he has this thing about the personality, so I just wanted to morph, morph both stories together, and create like a whole vibe, mm-hmm. hate that word, but like a whole vibe right. based off, you know, this, this. Yeah, it's idea. a kind of, it's a cultural context. Yeah, and then my, the video I posted, that was just like me trying to get in my poetic bag. It was deep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it had to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so Clark, I want to go back to fit, and I want to get kind of a history lesson in some extent about how New Balance has fit into larger culture because I think growing up in Chicago, it wasn't something that I was as cognizant of until recently. And so it's a thing for me where I had to go back and like learn more about it. So in your, can you mind like kind of walking us back in the history, kind of New Balance and cultural ramifications? Um, uh, we wore New Balance in the street 
in New York, but where I really, really got um, heavy on New Balance was when I used to uh, spend a lot of time yeah. in DC. Yeah, <laughs> just a business travel. Yeah. Business travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So um, uh, the term "900s and better" was a a, um, a popular uh, street term. Yes, a colloquialism. Or, um, <laughs> if you could buy New Balances that had the number nine hundred or more, you could tell who was doing something because they were yeah, because uh, they cost more. They cost more. And in the streets of DC, it was rough. You know what I'm saying? And um. You know, so if you caught a pair of sneakers for fifty-five dollars, it was great. But if you could buy a pair of sneakers that was nine hundred, uh, I mean ninety-nine dollars, right. one hundred and ten dollars, one hundred and fifty dollars, like you, you were definitely moving. getting some money. Yeah, no, not moving. No, it's like, no, moving into a higher plateau as a business person. Uh, okay, I like that. Yes. <laughs> and um, you know, so it was a thing to wear New Balance and. I, I can't tell you why. I can't say what it was, but they looked good. You know what I mean? And it was just a thing. Like, every city, like, has their thing. Like, Chicago got on Air Force Ones in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. We were wearing Air Force Ones since they came out and up and down the I-95 corridor. But as well as wearing Air Force Ones, we were wearing New Balance. We were wearing Puma Clydes. We were wearing a bunch of shoes. But the thing was to stand out. So if you travel around a lot, you wanted to go back to New York City with something that nobody had. So in New York City, everybody's wearing 576s. You go down to DC, they're wearing 900s and better. Mm -hmm. You go back to New York wearing 900s and better. Like, if, if somebody asks me what's my favorite New Balance, I'm gonna tell them uh, 1500s, 1300s, 997s, you know what I mean, shoes like that. Those shoes all are upper mm, yeah. $150, $160, $170. And it it wasn't like on purpose. It's just what it was. That's right. what you like. You okay. know what I mean. And it, it, in the streets where we come from, you just want to be fresh. You know what I'm saying. What kids are on right now is not what we were on when we were young. We were on being fresh, right. and and that's all it ever was. And not everything resonates everywhere. You know what I'm saying. So I don't expect a bunch of Chicago kids to love New Balance the way that we love New Balance in New York and in DC and in Baltimore because that was our thing, that it just happened that way. Like if you go down to New Orleans, like they will wear Reeboks until they're dead. And we're thinking, Reeboks? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but we wore yeah. Reeboks in the 80s. <laughs> I, we don't even understand how they, like the other day Bootsy put up a video of wearing a pair of Reebok Classics and he lost his mind because he was wearing Reebok Classics. And I was like, dude, you're wearing Reebok Classics. Like, what, what are you missing? Yeah. But, but yeah. because I go to New Orleans enough, I got it. I understood it. If you remember when the Hot Boys came out, they were always wearing Reebok Classics. I got it. That's their thing. It doesn't resonate everywhere. We wore uh, phone posits. We went down to Texas. Phone posits that are $200 up and down the East Coast. Phone posits were like $80 because no one was going to wear them in right. Texas. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Those shoes were out of necessity. They were practically boots. You could wear them all year round. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So the things that we did in our, in our hood, some of it was necessity and the rest of it was just to be fresh. And the easiest way to be fresh and from where I'm from was to have something nobody had. And then to have the best one of that's that nobody had. So if everybody's wearing 574s, I gotta wear the shoes that are better. You gotta wear the better ones. So 
we're gonna go find the better New Balance. And if you travel around, you saw DC always had the better New Balance. DC or Boston? Well, they're from Boston, so you could find crazy ones out there, but you could find so much up and down the sneaker stores in Georgetown. I used to go crazy every time I went to DC. I love it. So let's let's stick with the theme of competition for a second. As people who are in creative spaces, you're making products, you're releasing things into the population. Do you feel a sense of competition with other folks in your industries? Uh, competition? Yeah. Um, no. I, I only person I'm in comp- competition with is like myself. Okay. Like I would just I made a joke um, when it come to All Star Weekend. Like the only brand that have, um, made me a little nervous is Fat Tiger, and I own Fat Tiger. You know what I'm saying? Like me and my friends, like they snap with their activation. That's like as far as like actually like making noise and mm-hmm. and like creating a scene and like having an actual community involved in right. it, like without all the you know charades or whatever. So, but when it comes to not not really, I like to I stay in my lane. How I like to you know uh, how I like to sell my stuff. Mm-hmm. How I like to release my items. Everything I do, I try to do different from how the brands do it. So, so let's real quick because you t- you mentioned something really important about the concept of community support, right? And I think it goes without saying that a lot of the things that we have in culture would not exist without the support of people, you know, bigging it up, buying it, supporting it, streaming it now, I guess. My question to y'all is, how do brands get better at working with communities that they're trying to sell to? I think it's, it's, it's tough um, because, you know, I think it's, it's it's partially the brands and it's partially the people they reaching out to to make sure they give back. Um, I think because you know it, it's like if you're gonna let a brand use you, I call it for your powers. Yeah. You know whatever you you know the, uh, I hate the word influencer, but like you know your worth, is, your value. Yeah. Your you know yeah. you gotta make sure they give back. You know I, I think now I have a little more um, clout to when I work with a brand, I try to actually like yo what the, what you doing for Chicago? If it's like. Everybody, I feel like, I keep saying, I feel like people be checking in with me. Like, before brands pull up, they hit me up and be like, yo, let me take the temperature to Chicago. Like, before Conference Con come here, they're like, yo. I'm like, y'all just can't get in and get out. Y'all got to do something for our community. So right. it's like, it's those important talks with the people that's from these cities. You got to have with these brands, too. So I, it's like 50-50. Right. Like, when, they, when they're reaching out to you, you got to make sure that they're, like, hiring and staffing people from the community. And it's like, just little small stuff like that. But it's like, it depends on how much range you got like I like four years ago with products I, I couldn't I would have to just say yes I'll I'll design these patches and I'll, I'll make a mild sauce patch I'll make a Sears Tower right. patch I'll right. make a, a Portillo's hot dog patch uh, because I would just get my name out here but now when a brand come to me and be like yo we want you to do some designs based off Chicago if it's whack I'd be like I'm straight on that or this is how you should do that or this is who you should hire for that you know so did you feel like four years ago when you couldn't necessarily make those plays that you wanted to, but you just had to kind of like what? What was what was what made you realize that you just kind of had to pay your dues? Because I think that's the other thing that I'm noticing now. A lot of, there's a there's a gap between you carrying crates for support DJ or you carrying or making shirts for somebody else, and now it's a situation where you could get you know some drop shipping put together, and you got a brand tomorrow. Yeah. So is there something about like what was why did you feel like you had to fall back until you could get to this point like were you mad were you frustrated were you like they just don't see like what was the thing that kept you going it was a worse thing i think um even mcdonald's i did a collaboration with mcdonald's but i, I got some heat from from my peers because it was like oh my god 
McDonald's are evil. Why did you do that? Yeah. And um, I think when I, when I did that about two years ago, I just wanted a resume builder. Like, yo, can I get kids lined up for merch at McDonald's at McDonald's around the U.S. Like I, I still I'm still super humble. So when you met when you when you uh, talk about the biggest brands that exist, I don't never really be on those lists. And I'll be like again to his point, I shouldn't really care about that. But sometimes I'm like, damn, how the fuck you see what I'm doing? Yeah. Like do y'all see what the fuck I'm doing? So with McDonald's, that just it was certain things that was happening. I had a line. I gave away. A T-shirt at Adidas. I had the whole. I've all you know. We love Wicker Park, right? That's where we grew up. Shop, whatever. Yeah. I, I've always wanted a line in, in Wicker Park. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I look back. I, I went across the street to St. Alfred. I saw at least like three, four hundred kids lined up for my shit. I was like, Yeah, I gotta start charging more. You know what I mean? That was for more. It was like, Are oh, you powerful? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's more so like instead of just settling for what a brand offers you, let me take what you offer me and just give you back a better idea. That's how it usually always happens. It's cool. like it's meeting at a middle ground, but. For the most part, it's like, let me take what you gave me, let me give it back a little bit better. And I think sometimes creators are just, just happy to be here, so they just say yeah to some shit, you know what I'm saying? So That's real. You asked a question before that question. About worth, or about collaboration, or about the, the long one? No, the, the one about um, what, what can the brands do? For yeah, them? what can the brands do to better serve the communities that they're trying to sell to? Hire out of the community. Mm, okay. Because all they're doing is taking everything. Now let's get a snap for that. We're going to snap for that. That's, that's important. Also, we just brought back snapping. Congratulations. But yeah, okay. So keep going. So instead of just coming in saying, oh, we're going to help you build a park, instead of helping us build a park, take some of the kids in the neighborhood, give them real jobs <laughs> so that those kids can go back and build a park so that you won't have to and you won't look like you're abusing the community. If you help the community for real, then you wish the community will help itself. Mm-hmm. The people have to get help. You, if I build a park and we still can't afford to go to the park, it don't matter. Real. Help the people in the community by hiring them and letting them tell you, by the way, when I go back home, this is what we'd rather be wearing. You know what I mean? Instead of waiting for someone like Joe to come and say, yo, this is what I, we're wearing, but he had to go build a brand before it happened. You know what I'm saying? Let, let the people in the community actually help work at your companies because the companies, the companies, um, their ratios are so off and they're not represented. Like your the, the companies are the big bad wolf. I'm, I'm probably gonna get beat up for this. <laughs> the companies are the big bad wolf. If you think about it. We wait for Nike, New Balance, Adidas, Puma, all these brands to put shoes out. We never even cared like who's making them. And if you go back and you find out who's making them, there are people who don't even care about the community. All they care about is making sure that in that 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 uh that that legion of color for this period, we have to make some shoes. Mm. And all they're trying to do is make you buy stuff because that's what you're programmed to do. You're programmed to walk into the store, look what's on the shelf, and pick what you like. Instead of saying, what would you like the shelf to look like? And the brands are dictating what you buy. Even though they're not even telling you to buy it, they put it on the shelf. That's what you have to choose from. They're dictating to you what you have to buy. If you decided I'm not gonna buy shit, they gotta change the way that they act. Think about this, when you go to a store and there's 
400 people lined up outside, they can dictate how you buy it. The only reason why there's 400 people outside is because some websites, a bunch of them, have hyped up this thing that is just a pair of sneakers that you've lined up for to think that they are something more than just a pair of sneakers. <laughs> and then you line up and you go crazy and then you're mad and then half of you are gonna sell it just to make some money to buy another pair of sneakers. <laughs> just so that you could make, make this vicious cycle happen over and over again. But you never ask yourself, did I like it? The websites can make you believe that you like something that you don't like. And you wait and you go buy it. And then you don't like it and then you end up selling it. So what was all of this time wasted for? You stayed out of work for three days. What you made doesn't pay you back for those three days. You look crazy for doing it. You stink. <laughs> you stink. They, you stink. Yeah, yeah, they always stink. In the store, you stink. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, at the same time, it's the company dictating that you buy it. You know what I'm saying? The company, if you, I look at Air Force Ones, I look at white and white Air Force Ones and I think they never ever tried to sell them to you. Everybody likes white and white Air Force Ones. That means it's the real deal. Yeah. If I have to try to make you like something, it might not be the real deal. If I have to put a whole bunch of marketing money behind it, it might not be the real deal. But they will to dictate to you what you're supposed to think is special. Instead of you having your own mind to go, I don't like that shit. Because you probably, honestly, don't, don't like half the shit. shit that you end up buying. We've all been there. You see something, you try it on, it looks good. I'm not going there. You're not going there. I'm not buying shit that I don't like. I respect that. Respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. just, so I think, the, I think the way that they, they can fix it and, and do something, do better, is to get the community to be a part of the brands. But that's not gonna happen until y'all change the way that you act about the brand. There it is. Message. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you tweeted something uh, earlier this week where you were talking about knowing value and knowing worth. And this is dovetailing to the point he just made about don't say yes to everything, you know, recognize your value. As somebody who may be a creative who may not necessarily be at a point where they're, you know, they may have just started monetizing their, their passion or they may have just started making something to sell. What does, like, at what point did you realize, obviously you, you saw the crowds, you saw the adoration, but even before that, back when you, you know, was in the garage with it, like, where was the value there? Were you just, would you, did you see it? Do you say to yourself, I'm going to build this, it's gonna be my vision for it, and that's it? Or was it a situation where like, I'm just gonna do this and I'm gonna see what happens? Like, were you focused long-term or was it kind of a more short-term process? Um, as, as weird as this sound, I, I sometimes I get offended when people ask me like, what's your five-year plan? Um, not from this, and, and I'm a father, you know, I, I'm a businessman, so I think sometimes on paper I should have like a five-year plan for certain things, and I do for certain things, but I think my whole, you know, my whole existence on having a brand, which is like, I'm, I'm gonna keep going and figuring it out as I go. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes uh, you grow too fast. You know, I had a lot, a lot of opportunity to sell my brand, um, you know, be in, you know, 100 Paxons and, and Zoomies and do all of that. I just, like, I take a lot of time to think first before I do stuff. And um, so far I work, but I just think when you have, was it Master P or who? I just, when you have so many people reaching out to you to sign you, to, to manage you, to 
buy your brand and put your shit in there and I'll Master P that. reached out to you? No, no, no. I just he said about, oh, about like, <laughs> a record label offered him a certain amount of money. Yeah. He didn't he knew it was, he was worth more, so he said no, he ended up getting way more. So right. that's how my whole logic on a lot of things I do. If okay. I if a brand gonna offer me this, I like, even with this opportunity, like I I I mean I'm not this is not for the love of Luba, New Balance, but I just before this, I was like, I've been scouted for the whole year. You just like the past two years for different brands. Every time I look up, yo, we would love to do a collaboration with you. So I kind of felt like an athlete that was coming out of uh, college that yeah. was trying to figure out was I going to go. So, you know, so yeah. just becoming, but yeah, it's just like when you have so many people reaching out to you, you know, you, okay, I got something here. You know what I mean? So it's like I take my time with everything. I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm afraid to go really big, but I just enjoy the level I'm at now and I like to just, you know, mm. kind of go at my own speed. Okay. Uh, question, Clark Kent, what do you think people get wrong about Brandy? Uh, I think when, what people get wrong about branding is they actually don't know what they're trying to achieve. So if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, then you're going to miss the mark. You have to know what you're trying to achieve. There could be people that only want to achieve, I want to hit 1,000 people, do it for the 1,000 people. If you want to hit 200,000, you have to brand for the 200,000 people, and you have to know that those 200,000 people aren't going to be as eccentric as the 1,000 people. So don't brand for 1,000 if you're trying to hit 200,000. So you have to be sure about what you're trying to do. I think. Okay. I, think. I mean, when I, when I work on things, if, if it's going to be small, if it's going to be something small, I, I can go crazy. Right. And because I can think to myself, well, you're going to like it or you're not going to like it, I don't care. I'm going small anyway. Like, it's, it's only 200 pairs. But if I know that I have to sell 80,000 pairs, I got to think, how, will they want to wear it? And because I'm a consumer, I, all I think of, if I walk in the store and it's on the shelf, am I going to want to wear it? So after brand it that way. And I'm I'm like unbelievably honest. Like honest to the point where people will or won't like me. And and with that I don't give a fuck because that's the reason why I'm still able to do whatever I'm able to do. I can go to any brand and say, I wanna make two hundred pairs of shoes or I wanna make a, a, a drop in in December. I can do it because I'm honest and because I don't do what anybody else wants me to do. I do what I want to do and I approach it from a consumer standpoint instead of a I'm a master creator standpoint because I'm not. If you tell me to get in the studio I'm a bad motherfucker. If you put me on turntables, I'm fucking illegal with it. <laughs> but if you say go and make a t-shirt, I'm fucking struggling. But that's not my shit. Tell me, put, put me in a room with a bunch of shoes pick a shoe and make the shoe look dope, I can do that shit. But I'm honest extremely honest. I won't do what I can't do. I won't try to do what I can't do. I'm too old to be trying to figure out some brand new shit. So I'm, I'm always honest. And if you brand with honesty and you brand focused, it should work out for you. Like, like I, I, I'm not gonna go do a Jordan 34 when I know I wouldn't wear a Jordan 34. I, give me the Jordans I wore. I'm, I'm gonna show you what the shit should look like. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm not gonna do a, a New Balance that's a brand new version I wouldn't do like a 574, the new version. I'll do a 1500. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll yeah. do a 1300. I'll do a, a, 
a, a 997, a 996 maybe, but a 997 before a 996, you know what I'm saying? For I'm sure. gonna do the ones that really resonated to me, so the story that I tell with them is gonna resonate to everybody else. You just touched a key point, and I think a lot of times in these creative pursuits, a lot of people search for authenticity, right? That's a, You hear that in every deck you've ever read, every marketing paper, but in essentially what you just said is authenticity, and this is what, also what it means, but honesty. Well, I'm what I you don't have I don't have to search for my authenticity. Like it's you. No, I mean you, you got guys who are like, yeah, I'm a real one. Yeah. I never have to say it. You shouldn't have to. No, I don't have to say it. If people don't know that about me, people don't know nothing about me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna go, oh my god, these shoes are dope, but the shoes are whack. Like I'm honest. I mean this shit's just whack. I don't care if you like my thoughts about it or not. Everybody has the ability to have their own thoughts. If you ask me and I tell you what I think and you don't like it, that's you having an issue. Even your friends? Even more my friends. Don't you do that with your friends? Listen, if I can't can't tell my friends the truth, they're not my friends. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. That's real. I think a lot of times there's this sense of like support that's like not a real thing where it's like, you you didn't support me, but it's like, if I didn't like what you were doing, I'm. Not gonna support it. I'm gonna keep it funky. I'm not even really trying to hear what my friends say because they can side with me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to even hear that. I mean, they gonna like it or they not gonna like it. That's cool, but they my man, so that doesn't matter. What matters is what does everyone else really think? Right. The target. That's the target. I got my man, so I'm gonna hand them a pair anyway. They gonna like them or they gonna not gonna like them. They gonna do what they want to do with them. I'm definitely trying to make them. My friends all are basically on the same shit I'm on. They're really all about being fresh. Mm. So most of the time, I hit the mark with my friends. We're your friends. all the same type of people. That's a good point. So though. I don't have to check with them. So this is something for both of you. Do you think, sometimes I feel like people make stuff for only their friend group and then get frustrated when it isn't getting like wider reach and it's like you didn't make it for those people. Like, how do you keep something from, again, focusing on your audience, but knowing that a lot of times people are just trying to impress their friends or they're trying to impress the people that they hang out with, like how do you scale that into being like, okay, my target is 200,000 people. You see if what I'm saying? If you're trying to impress your friends, you're doing the wrong thing. They're your friends. You don't have to impress them. You're your friends. If they're really your friends, you don't have to impress them. They like you the way you are. You know what I'm saying? What you're trying to do is move some units. And if this is about moving units, you're trying to get to a mass audience you gotta work for them. You can be you and still try to work for them. The good part is it could work and it could not work. And you have to be cool with that. Just as easy as somebody saying, hey, give me, let me borrow $10. If they say yes, you're happy. If they say no, most people are like, oh fuck, why? Like, no, wait a minute, I said yes and you didn't ask me why. I say no, now you ask me why. You should be comfortable with a 50-50 chance that you will get a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. So when you make something, you should be comfortable with a 50-50 chance. They might not like it. And that you have to be cool with. As long as what you did, you did honestly, you should be fine. I love it. Joe, speaking to that authentic base of people, is that why you made the release exclusive to Chicago? Uh, I want to tell you how authentic it is. Let's talk. I've known you for about like what eight years now. Yeah. I've been asking him to make four X since I met him. He's never done it, and we friends. <laughs> like this is my boy. Every time I see him, I keep telling him, "Dog, the shit you making, I like the shit. Make a four X." I got you. I got you. I got you. Never I got does. You. It. <laughs> and 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 don't get me wrong. 
if I didn't ever make something before, I, I wouldn't understand it. I'd be like, what the fuck, B? But I get it. To make one 4X means you have to change the size of your, your printer. I, okay, cool. I'll wait. But goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's my boy. Yeah. And I can't trip off of it because I do get it. But, you know. You're still frustrated. Yeah, I get it. No, I'm not frustrated. My thing is, if I like it, I want to wear it. Mm. And, if, and if I can't wear it, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy. I can't get everything. So what I get, one, the, 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 the choices are minimal. So I really have to like it to do mm -hmm. it. So if I like something and I go to somebody and be like, yo, that shit you make it, make me a 4X. If you make it, yes. If you don't make it, all right. 50-50. 50-50. <laughs> But, you know, I put it out there. He knows in the back of yeah. his mind, yo, my man, oh, my big homie, he wants to wear a single suit. I, I might not be crazy. Yeah. So he knows that. He said he got you, though. I, I've been no, he been saying he <laughs> Like, no, I approached him before I knew him and was like, yeah. yo, I need that dope boy magic shit. Yeah, because like, that resonates that. to me. Hello, my he God, like, he's talking to me. I got you. Yeah, he was like, he's talking to me. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's like, I got you. I came to Chicago right after that. I was like, I got fuck, be Dope Boy Magic was yeah. really good. Dope Boy Magic went away, and I was still going, Dope Boy Magic, he was like, I don't do that shit no more. I was like, I need a Dope Boy Magic shirt. Sure. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. <laughs> bring me one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to Joe. I want to talk about why you, because I saw a lot of people are very angry with you that you know the collection is releasing online to everybody. Why, why was it important for you to release it in Chicago exclusively first? Um, it's my first shoe. You know, and I, I, I just, going back to what he said about having, about pairs and how many you have in like, I think Chicago is, you know, probably a, a, does play a major part to my success. So I just would have felt salty personally if I didn't make this like a Chicago thing. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people, when you have big events like an All-Star Weekend or a Conference Con come to Chicago, come to our city, um, a lot of people that live in different cities come back and be like, I'm from here, but you know. I'm one of those guys that's going global, but I actually still live here. That's important. Well, that's super important. You know, I think it's, when, it's, when it's convenient to rep Chicago, a lot of people step up to the plate, but I'm like, this is all I know how to do. You know what I'm saying? I travel wherever I want to travel around the world, but I always make sure I come back home. So it just made sense to make this shoe, you know, exclusive to Chicago. Uh, yeah. Okay. I hope I sell them all. I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, a, I'm not a betting man, but I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, but Chicago, I love Chicago. Yeah. I think Chicago gets left out a lot of conversations. <laughs> no, Chicago. Um, Chicago gets left out a lot of conversations, so I just want to keep pushing this energy back home. I, I'm dope, but like, as people lined up right now, it's just like, what's crazy is Chicago is just like these dudes from Houston and from New York, or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it's just first come, first serve, whoever get it. But, you know, hopefully Chicago people aren't going to wait in line tonight, I guess. There it is. Well, maybe not. I hope so. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to, again, the, the central topic, um, balance and fit. Getting a sense of putting all of your assets together, a campaign, you know, a rollout, um, whatever you want to call it. Is, there, is it more important to have structure when you're putting a campaign like this together? Or is it something where you kind of, you, you put the structure in it from the technical sense and the production sense, obviously building it out. But like... Is your creative process structured or is it a free flow and then you kind of take the idea and hone it in? That, you know, I, like again, working with New Balance, I got to learn the importance of working with a smaller team. I think the type of person I am, like, you know, shout out to Joe back there, you know, uh, New Balance. But I think for me, 
I've had the chance to work with a lot of different brands and it's just, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, I don't like to report to the basketball division and then the, the influencer marketer division. Then like the, the, it just, you know, I like to just text three people at the company and try to get it done. And with New Balance, that's kind of what it is for me. You know what I mean? But when it comes to like rollouts, I think I did it beautiful. You know, I, I was on vacation January 3rd. You know, even with the ring, I was talking to Joe about, you know, I want to make a New Balance ring and I'm just like, I know it sounded crazy and shit, but like, <laughs> but for the most part, every time I see, I, I've always envisioned like, what, what, am I, what is gonna be the, the first time I announced my collaboration? What was it gonna look like? And for the most part, it was always like, it's like wheezy. Oh, <laughs> um, every time I, I've been thinking about how, like, for the past like seven years, is like when I dropped my shoe online, like, on Instagram, what's gonna be that first post? And I was like, yeah, I can hit him with the the, the, the shoe in my hand. Coming soon, yeah. coming fall, but I was like, fuck it, let me hit him with a diamond ring. You know what I'm saying? So it was just little small stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, shooting a video of my grandma house on the west side. Like, uh, I just like small things I wanted to do and, did, and do things that New Balance wasn't really known for. Like, I think just even being this guy in me, like, let me get a ring, it's just like what people think of New Balance, especially in Chicago. Yeah. It's just like, wait, they let you do that? You know what I mean? Just like, you don't, yeah, it was surprising because everybody's yeah. like, really? Like, yeah, so it's just like good teamwork. You know, they trusted a lot of my vision. and just like I didn't have to answer to a lot of people. You know, just like talking to a few people, we got it done. We, we broke, broke a few rules that mm -hmm. weren't supposed to happen. But that just lets me know as a person that's working with a brand that they believe in me because it's like, yeah, you might have to delete the video because you're wearing a Yankees hat, but fuck it, just let it go through. It's just stuff like that where yeah. it's like I love brands that actually listen to the, the creator and just let them rock. You know, a lot of brands, it's a lot of collabs out here that's not real collabs. It's more so like, yo, we're going to give you a silhouette. We're going to give you four colors to choose from. We definitely going to just give you the whole sauce. We're just going to put your name on top of it. You know what I'm saying? So I think when we start talking about what are actually real collabs, it's just like I like to actually do a real collab where it's like my thoughts into it. So let's let's keep on that. What's the key? And I want to hear from both of you. What's the key to a quality collaboration? Community. I mean, just being apart, just together. You know, I'm not a know-it-all. You know, I, again, coming from Chicago, my age, like a lot of the stuff that Clark was speaking of about New Balance, like I had to learn as I go, because the reason why this was exciting to me because it's a challenge. Like I I go to All Star weekends and shit. I party a lot. Like everywhere I go for All Star Weekend, it's always you going to that Adidas party, you going to that Nike shit, you going to that Jordan stuff. I don't really hear New Balance in conversations like that at an All Star Weekend in a big city. So for right. me, it's just like, oh shit, that's what we gonna do. We finna turn up this All Star, right? You know. So for me, it was just like one of those things where, when you talking about collaborations, it's just listening to the creator. It goes back to my point before. Like now that I can have these meetings and like again, and and, and it, what's what's interesting about collabs is people always tell you what you should have did. Like, my whole, it's fucking 50 comments, bro. Why you make that so, you could have made, made so all white. It's like, it's compromised because it's just like, well, I have four soul options. Right. Like, the people don't really know that. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's about giving some flavor from what you want, but also compromising with the brand, you know, a little bit, you know? But at the same, at the same time, it's just like, you damn, they gotta be like Travis Scott or, it's only few people in the industry that can go in there and be like, yo, I want to do this, this way. Right. A lot of people are just like, yo, this is the silhouette we're putting out this year. You know what I'm saying? This is, you know, it's just like, when we talk about collabs, it's like, it's a lot of different ways to do collabs. It's all about just figuring out, working with a brand, how much sauce and um, how much you can actually put into it without them just saying, yo, we're going to give you this, but we just want you to put your name on it, you know, which happens a lot, but. Yeah. Clark, what do you think? 
keys to a successful and quality collaboration. I've done 87 shoots. All I ever care about is, will you want to wear it? And that's because, unlike a joke, I don't look at it like I'm this sneaker designer. I look at it like I'm a consumer, and I want someone to wear it. The first shoe I made, I, I went back to, to Nike. I sat down, we was in, a, in, a, um, in a, the lunchroom at Nike, me, Tinker Hatfield, Mark Smith. And somebody walked by, and they're wearing the shoes. And I lost my shit. I'm like, yo, look, look, look. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, look, look. They're like, what? I'm like, he's wearing it. Look, he's wearing the shoe. And they go, what are they supposed to do? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, but that, I said, yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted people to wear it. And they're like, well, that's what they're supposed to do. So they're going to wear it. And because, I mean, I, I don't know if when, he made an Air Max One, and he saw somebody wearing it. If he bugged out, but he's a designer. You know what I'm saying? I'm a guy who got to reappropriate some shoes. You know what I'm saying? So I look at it like, shit. He, he wanted to wear it. That's awesome. So the thought is, I want someone to wear it. You know what I mean? So I think that way. That's one. Two, I want to be able to tell a story, and that you get it. Like immediately, like if I say this is what that is in words, you can go, oh, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the story has to resonate to you whether you understand it or not. So like when I say got that white, the hood understands the word got that white. Mm -hmm. If you look at the shoe, you'll understand got that white. Even if you don't, the shit is called got that white. You look at it, it's a white shoe. Okay, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even if you don't know what got that white means, it still resonates to you. So I was able to tell the story properly and it resonated and is wearable. So those those are the keys to me. And just knowing that it really ain't nothing, it really ain't about you, it's about them. I, I, nothing, when it comes to collabs that I've done, it's never been about me. That's why my name isn't on any shoe. I've never put my name on any shoe. That, that that went to, to market ever. Because it wasn't about Because it's not about me, it's about consumers. Because I'm a consumer. It's very, that's a very amazing point because I think sometimes people get lost in the sauce of the creative process and it becomes about the the idea that they have in their head. And if it isn't that idea, it isn't perfect. Look, look, think about this. Mm. How many collaborators have you ever heard of? You, you think it's a lot. You think you've heard of a lot of collaborators. Yeah. Right? Look how many shoes on the wall aren't done by collaborators. It's a fucking honor to do a collab. It's an honor. Don't make that shit about you. Make that shit about the honor. Make that shit about, oh shit, you want my idea? What the fuck? I don't work here. You gonna pay me for that shit too? Lord Jesus, I'm gonna try to make some shit that everybody likes. It's a fucking honor. And if you approach it like it's an honor, one, you're gonna come out with much better. Sh like, look what he did to the shoe. It was an honor to him. You know what I'm saying? Yes, he's young and he understands the business, but he understands the business because the business that's done before him. So it made him look at the landscape of business differently. If there were no collab before, he'd have done shit for free. 
Fact. You know how many yeah. collabs are done for free? That y'all like? That y'all will pay freaking 10 times what it costs for that were done for free? If you don't understand the business, you'll do it. For you. It's because when they first got asked, they realized, yo, that's a fucking honor. I'm about to go sit inside of this building and do a shoe when they got a whole bunch of people in there that can do shoes that are doing shoes anyway. So your collab, you feel special. You should feel special because it's an honor to do one. You know what I mean? Once you start and you rolling and you're doing a bunch of them, then it's because they believe in the way you tell stories, mm -hmm. the, the visions that you might have, the, the fact that you might be able to touch a different part of the world differently. But if you don't take it as an honor, your shit is gonna be whack. It really is, you yeah. can tell. Cause when a collab comes out and it's whack, trust me, they didn't appreciate the honor. You also mentioned a very valid point in that about making sure you have your business together. Yeah. But um, again, yeah. That, that goes over a bunch of time. Like, it, it wasn't until somebody said, you know, I, I sold a lot of shoes for you. That they were like, Man, I, we, we'd like to be paid. And they didn't even go, I better be paid. They were like, we'd like to be paid. So I, I watched it. I watched it happen. Like, we'd like to be paid. I mean, I, the first collaboration I did, it was because I was being paid to work with the brand. It wasn't because I was supposed to do a collab. It was because I just was a pain in the ass and was like, I want to do a sneaker. I want to do a sneaker in a meeting for two hours, just kept going. Every time a question came around, I was like, yo, am I going to do a sneaker? <laughs> and they thought I was crazy. And then they thought that I didn't know what I was talking about when I wanted to do a sneaker. So once the meeting was over and they sat me in front of a computer and I said, yeah, this is what I wanted to look. They were like, oh shit, it looks right. What are we going to do? Well, now I got to do a sneaker. Because I said I want to do a sneaker. But you were already paying me to do something else. So it's almost like you're getting it for free. I know it's not for free because I know if I do this sneaker, I'm not going to do the other shit that I was doing anymore. I'm going to do sneakers. You know? So it worked out that way. So I was being paid very, very well. I still get paid very well by these brands, but it's because when I make something, it works. It's because I approach it with honesty and trying to, trying to, you know, I'm trying to make people wear it. That's it. I want to talk about the concept of going to people. You, what? I apologize. For what? The business is what you asked me. Yeah, no, I mean, we're we gonna end with that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, we're making an adjustment. So one of the things that I have always followed and enjoyed about Joe's career <laughs> is that Joe does pop-ups during major event weekends in other cities, but it's not in a cute space. It's a space he comes in and creates it. It's a, a, a exchange of actual community. So you see people lining up from all over, but they're coming in and shaking hands with Joe. So I want to talk about that for a second, Joe. Like, why, why do you feel like that's still something that's important to do? To go to show up in other cities and do these pop-ups and then still, you know, kind of be that face? Because uh, I see how my consumer look. I think sometimes, my, my beef with wholesale and just like having my stuff in stores is like, I don't see who buy it. Like, I want to grow with my customer. I want to talk to my customer. I want to see, when I do these pop-ups, I, I get first-hand experience of what they don't like I damn, I like we used to put on this type of t-shirt. But oh man, you're like my black supreme. Like I, I go to cities, I, a lot of times I pick cities that know other, like New Orleans, every time I go to New Orleans to a pop-up shop, they be so grateful because they be like, yo dog, 
don't know brand coming. Besides it being a Super Bowl or an All-Star weekend, yeah. no brand just pulls up in June and just do a pop-up. So I love to do that because I get to see what's going on and like it just keep my um it, it keep it keep me going mm. because I get to actually talk and get inspired with these pop-ups I do because I don't know like I I, I it might end it's more money like I mean, when we talking about being like it's so weird because back in the day my goal was to be in like hundred stores you know what I'm right. I got a brand I got a t-shirt brand I want to be in the top boutiques I want to be in Dover Street I want to be open the ceremony. I want to be in collect. That was like the, the staple. But somehow, some way, it just changed to me where just like, I want to keep my things a little bit more exclusive and I want to just do these pop-up shops because I get to see what's going on and like, shit, it's just like a store. What what a store going to place a $6,000 order with me, which I'm still grateful for. Right. But that's like a premium order if it's not an Urban Outfitters. I can go to, a, like, it's no, it's, no, it's no store in New York that can place an order with me that I can't do in an hour at a pop-up in New York, myself. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. just like, it's, it's straight to consumer. For me, it just like, it makes sense. It's just like, I, you know, it's, I love the pop-up formula. The direct-to-consumer format, I know I told you a long time ago that like, the way you kind of move kind of reminds me of like currency, right? For sure. Like it's a situation where, you know, you're going directly to your audience, you know who they are, you know what they're there for, you know what they want. And you give that to them. And I think, I want to hear more about why do you do you value that interaction more than social media? A mixture. Like I like my whole team would tell you like tomorrow I'm gonna try my best not to be here when we open doors. Okay. Because like people are like, oh shit, what you doing? Can you sign my box? And I look up, I'm just signing things and it's just like I'm making a more of a commotion, but I love that shit, man. Like because like people are so these people that own these brands be so internet, but when they get around real people, they just it look like a fucking computer. They just don't they just like so, you know? Yeah. So for me, just being a brand owner and just being out here, I just love just being a dude that just have a brand. Even how I treat Chicago, every time I go out nowadays, it's just like, fuck did you doing at the bar just drinking? Like, did you throw first goods? It's yeah. like, I think I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, I just love it. You know, I just love being the guy that has a brand that's still super humble, that connects to my customer. Like, again, it's a, the reason why we was talking about the whole mm-hmm. currency thing is just like, just, as, as an artist, it's just like, it's like currency going to be around forever. People love him. He do make, he do his mixtapes and he just stay in his lane. Yep. That's how I treat my brands. It's like I battle. Like why wasn't I posted on this blog? Blah blah. Like I, it's so funny. I was about to like diss all. Like fuck how somebody fuck hype me. They're not gonna post my shoes and then I gotta eat up from all of them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to get to the place where I just really like keep focusing on my consumer. And it mm-hmm. it's tough. The bigger I get with these brands, like they you know with the success I'm getting now, it's just like okay, Joe, now it's time to go big and just like. That's the thing I'm always gonna try to fight. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I love just being like ground roots for my brand and being in control all assets of it. You know, but it, it gets tough. It's like as a creator, it's like it gets to that point where it's just like I'm at this level right now, and I can see that level where I can get them M's real fast because you know the store wanna you know put me you know they wanna put me in 300 foot lockers around right. the world and it's that bag. But for me, that bag gonna come. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I'm not trying to go. You know. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. Can, can uh, I ask of course. What's the goal? That gets to that point. I don't know. I mean, like, the goal is to keep setting new goals. You know, that's corny. I don't know if that sounds corny. Because I, if I, I find myself in Chicago and a lot of guys we, we, we both know. I feel so offended when people, and I shouldn't feel offended might be the wrong word, but, like, I don't really know my five-year plan. As far as my goal is just to kind of keep doing things my way. You know, even with this, uh, with the collaborations and stuff, like, I, I, I'm happy. You right. know, like, it, it's, it's no secret. I had to delete a few tweets to Instagram the other day with my 
my disdain for another brand, I just have to grow up and be like, let me delete, let me delete this stuff. But I, 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 I know that I'm happy right. right now. I'm happy. I talked to a lot of brand owners that that they wish, like big and small, they wish they was doing what I was doing. So just like, oh shit, you know, I'm I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, I'm all, and I push myself. So when I say I'm comfortable, it's not like I'm happy about. I'm not. I'm complacent. I'm just saying like I'm super comfortable where I'm at right now, and I'm growing. Like every year you come back to Chicago. Like for the past six years, my store got bigger and bigger. Started off in Logan Square. Yep. You come out of Chicago, I got a bigger store. Then I got a bigger store, and I got right. two stores. So it's just like, I don't really know my goal, but shit, I'm just leveling up. You know, I just don't really, I, it's hard for me to have like a, a planner. I wish I was more organized. That's, when you go on JoeFirstGoods.com, it, it, it says I'm crazy. That's the first thing that pops up is I'm crazy. I collab with friends. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's just like, I wish I was structured. I'd probably be way better, but the fact that I'm just so all over the place, you know, it, it, it kind of helps. That's a, but I think that's a type of focus, though, because you're you're able to take a consistent perspective and apply it to different things, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's a blessing and a curse sometimes because yes. you wish you were doing more. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're gonna wrap up after this question. I'm really excited about this, but the last question, and this is something we got a lot of folks in the audience who are younger who are in, on the beginning of their own creative paths. And so as two folks who are executing things and, and making authentic things that speak to actual people and not just you know bots, what is the thing that you wish that you knew when you were 16 years old about your career that you would? I'm leaving that open-ended because it could be a philosophical thing, it could be a practical thing, it could be a business thing. Um, for me, financial literacy. Okay. Like, that's why I'm super big now on certain things. Like, when it comes to buying property, like, oh, God, like, um, and it, well, 16 was, 16 is probably a little too early to learn. Yeah. Not, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, just certain things that I, now that I'm, like, getting a little bit more bread and understanding what I want to invest my money in, it's like, damn, I wish I would have did this when I was, like, at this age. So it's, like, the clothing part and, and, and designing and all that stuff is cool, but just, like, I don't think a lot of people, when they get to a certain point, figure out the what's next as far as like how to let your money grow for you, like that angle of it. I think for me it's just like um, if I can just go back to when I was 16 as far as like, like you know, understanding property a little bit, like not to scare my 16 year old self though, yeah. but like I just wish this far, even like just black and brown people when it comes to our side of town or whatever, just like even when I'm from the west side, it's just like I want to start buying, the process of buying buildings and all that, I'm studying, teaching myself how to right. do that. But just I wish there was more things I learned when I was younger about like Okay, you want to get rich, you want to be this, you want to be an artist, but let's just say it happens, then what happens after that? And that's like the kind of point, I'm not rich, but it's like I'm doing what I want to do in life, and now it's like the what's next. That question is coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clark, what about you? I wish at 16 that I had learned what I learned at 20, and that was the business of DJing, instead of uh, just going to clubs and letting them give you what they're giving you. Looking at the club going, oh, there's 2,000 people in here, they each pay 10,000, that's $20,000. I mean, they just, they each pay $20, $20. I mean, that's that's about $10,000. Yeah. I mean, $20,000 in here, and they're each gonna buy a drink, and those drinks cost $15, and that's how much, and that's how much, and that's how much. And you wanna give me this? Now get the fuck out of here. I should've learned that at 16. If I but I was 16, so I shouldn't have been in the club in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if I had learned it at 16, I, 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 
always been financially right since I learned it. But if I'd have learned it at 16, shit. <laughs> 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 it's just been different. Yeah. You know? You, I mean, Way different. Right. Those four years are crazy. So just that's a, there's a, there's a takeaway from that of being able to recognize the numbers behind the stuff you're doing. Being able to recognize your worth. Okay. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I recognized what I was worth once I recognized the numbers in front of me. And then I realized, well, if you're not going to pay me this, I'm not going to do it. And I got the people here, so either you're going to get it right or you're not going to get it. And once I did that, like, there was absolutely no way that I ever forgot what I was worth. Can I ask these three people yeah. a question? Sure. What's the most important word in business? Compromise. Compromise. Huh? Profit. And you? Uh, value. Y'all wrong. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> the most important word in business is no. Oh. Because it lets them understand that you understand your worth. Right. You got to say no. So when you walk yes. in, when you walk in, and the company says these are the shoes we want you to work on, if you don't want to work on these shits. Fucking say no. My no game has been, ever since my no game has been better, my pockets have been better. It's 100% right. And, 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 and believe me, you probably didn't even think about that. Yeah. But once I say it, yeah, you look back it. and you go, oh shit, that's right. You say no. If the shit ain't right, say no. Get your money right. Get everything that you're doing, get it right. If it's not going to be right, say no. And trust, if they wanted you for something and you say no and it didn't work out, they're going to want you. Facts. They will figure it out if they really want you. Every, everybody says, oh, we got $10,000 for you. When a company offers you $10,000, they have twenty. Facts. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, Big facts. I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about everything. If you go to the store, and the guy comes in, oh, only got 100. He has 200. Mm -hmm. He has the money for it. It doesn't matter. When somebody says, I got this, they're trying to get you for half <laughs> of what they really got. The answer is no, if that's not what you want. If it's not what you want, say no. Don't do it just because it's a look. There's no such thing as a fucking look. No such thing. So let's get the question party started. Does anybody have any questions? somewhere in there that make you go, whoa, I'm bugging. I got to focus. 
And that's where you start to discern the shit that's happening around you. Because again, an honor can 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 look like an honor and still just be whack for you. So you have to start to learn how to discern. But I, ma- I mean, imagine, how, how long you been in business? Uh, about 12 years now. 12 years. And he's, and he's got his first shoe collab, but he done sold a million sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, and everything to you. It took 12 years for the brands to go, hey, he's got something there. Yeah. There's brands that will never get a collab. And they'll be 30 years in and they'll be killing it. And they will never get a brand to go, hey, you know what, I think you got something there. It's not for everybody. And you know, those things are the type of things that you have to discern to. Um, just staying true, like, I think even with, with, with my back and forth with cutting so, I just think with me, it's just like, um, you know, I, I don't really, I want to grow as a brand. I think I, I, when I do different collaborations, I'm, I'm steady showing my growth for how I do things, but I think it, people know what they're getting out of Joe, you know? But yeah, I mean, it's really just staying true to everybody. Like I said, for me, I get criticized. Like, you could be doing major things in LA. Like, people are telling me all the time, like, the fact that you're staying here is just like, you could be doing bigger things, not just dissing when people say that shit, but I just think, for me, Chicago, it always starts off with Chicago. Whether it's a collab with the MCA, whether it's a Chicago Bears collab, it's like, a lot of stuff I do is rooted in Chicago, and I think Chicago is just like, like a lot of people get on and they change up, you know what I'm saying? For me, it's just like, I'll do a big collab at a museum, and then I'll just have a party at East Room, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? I think people like that genuine part of me, so I think, it's just um, when you, you know, when you got a consumer that fuck with you, um, try not to change up on them. You know what I'm saying? Like my clothes, I'm not, it, it, it changes because I'm a grown man now. I can't, like my, one of my biggest things was I want to fuck Rihanna on a t-shirt and a hat. I'm so embarrassed by that now. But that was like, uh, when I grew with my brand, I think people, yeah, that's like, that was my big shit. I didn't see that. Yeah, that, that, that was back before they be living this, this era. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super embarrassing. Super embarrassing. Moment. But yeah, I, I I think people have watched me grow in Chicago from from being an intern that swept floors and and, and, and mops and everything and worked at Fashion Geek, then getting hired at Leaders and then like uh, owning my own store. I think in streetwear it's always that it's always cool when you see a, a brand grow. So when it comes to Chicago, Chicago kind of rocked me grow up when I was eighteen to now I'm thirty three. They watched me grow in the retail scope, so I just think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people gotta support, man, I'm a real nigga. Like, you, you guys touched on a few, a few uh, different points. Like, so this took, this was 13 years in the making, and when, like, when if you have a friend or someone who is putting out designs and they're not good, like, what, like, is there a point where you should stop or you should keep going or did you grow? Like what, what made you keep going after you see 13 years of like, damn, I didn't get a collab yet. But yours is a little different because you was popping in other states. But for the people that's out there that are designing now, they'll put out a t-shirt, you know, everyone has a, a brand now. Yeah. And they put out a shirt and they, they're not seeing the success. The mon- I guess success is uh, looked at or measured by 
money monetarily, I guess, I assume. Um, how, how, what, what would you say to, for them to keep going? Or is there a point where it's like, hey, maybe this isn't for anyone, what Clark said. This isn't for everyone. Yeah. Well, I think when it, comes, <laughs> when it comes to fashion and clothes, the more I travel, I'm like, wow, there's so many different businesses when it comes to fashion. Yeah. From the buyer point of view, the designer point of view. Like, so I think sometimes all we know is what we know. I think a lot of times when I talk to kids that got brands, the reason why they have a brand is because they want to create clothes that people have on their body. They want to create clothes that people wear. I mean, that you know, they want to have people that shop and stuff. But that don't mean you gotta have a brand though. And that's the biggest thing I'm realizing. That means you can like, there's so many different ways you can be in the fashion industry without having a t-shirt brand. And I think that's something that people gotta talk about more. It's so many jobs in the fashion industry that that's bigger than just having a brand that people don't understand. You can just get, you could be the denim brand, you know? I just, it, it, what was so intriguing about the early 90s and uh, a lot of brands I looked up to back in the day, uh, you know, they was, it was an array of things that they did. I think now it's just like the, the, t the internet t-shirt brand is the thing and that's kind of what, kind of fucking up the game, you know what I mean? But I just think um, it's tough, man. I think brands gotta be honest with each other. I think all, what happens all the time is a, somebody come up with a shirt, they get their 24 friends to buy it and they think they own, you know what I'm saying? They just stay at that same level for, for years with a logo t-shirt, which is dope, but just like they never leave their city. They're, like, they're a hot brand in Kentucky and look up and they're a hot brand in Kentucky for nine years and it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? So it's just, you gotta be able to grow and if you, you know, not be, not 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 quit your dreams if it, if it don't happen, but just know if you wanna have a brand, you don't have to have a brand. It's us as ways you can work in fashion without actually making clothes, you know, so. All right, we're gonna do one, you and then one more. We're gonna go This uh, this question is for Clark Kent, actually. Um, uh, shout out to ATF and the whole crew. My ATF brother's very good. So you, your your history and your knowledge of the sneaker game is just like unparalleled. People respect you as a sneaker guy, right? Watching the story of Joe Fresh Goods. Right, like he means the world to Chicago. He's like hometown hero, right? So, from your perspective, what does Joe Fresh Goods' story and this sneaker release mean for the pantheon of sneaker releases? He said pantheon. Big <laughs> words. Well, I think his uh, his shoe is important for a, a, a group of reasons, but I think. Maybe most important because it is in Chicago and it is a New Balance. You know what I mean? This is not a, a New Balance city. This is this is Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is Jordan. This is some Adidas. This is a bunch of Nike. Like to do a New Balance, like one, your nuts are big. Pause. <laughs> two, you like like how did you get to like it? Like how did how did he get to say I like yeah I like that New Balance I want to work on that like all of those things make it important and um I think the most important part is the shit is dope so because the shit is dope if you never was told a story and you looked at it and you saw it on the wall and you liked it just because it looks dope that's the most important part the shit looks dope when I saw it I didn't know the story I called him I was like I need these and then I got the story and I was like. Cool story, I need that. You know what I'm saying? I just I just like the shoe, the shoe look, look dope. You know what I mean? And for the guy to one, work on a shoe that is notoriously not from his community and then make it look dope, it's 
pretty fucking dope. Because if that's where you started in a place like Chicago, like you shouldn't have an issue going here, going there, going everywhere and figuring it out. He could be the guy that changes the way that Chicago looks in New Balance. Facts. He could be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because if you make a dope shoe and kids want to wear it, and then you make another dope shoe and it's kids want to wear it still, then you're going to change the landscape of the way things look on people's feet. If they want to wear it. They got to want to wear it. All right, last so question. Joe Fresh, you yep. killed it. Thank you. Last question. Okay, hi, I'm 16 years old. Hold on. <laughs> and I really want to say that he killed it because he actually also did the fucking basketball shoot, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> be clear, that took serious nuts. It's not, oh shit, a real one back there. Yeah. That took serious nuts to do the basketball shoot because, you know, New Balance, New Balance is a good brand for what they already do and for Heritage Shoes. And he picked a shoe that's a Heritage Shoe, but to actually also do the basketball shoe and tie it together, like, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm 16. I'm a student at Whitney Young. Um, I'm from since we were 14, 15, 16. It took a long time. Like, I have my face on the wall on, like, Morgan and I forgot what street it is. My mama, like, they knew what I was doing. Like, I'm able to support myself by doing stuff. It took for that moment, and it sucks, man. Like, mommy, I, I got I got walk a fuck wearing my T-shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling her about moments for the past 10 years, and it was like, okay. But it just took for that moment to happen. Sometimes you just got to just do it. Like, as far as taking your, like, you just have to know yourself that you could do it. And, like, people going to start coming. Like I said, it, it took a long time. And I think sometimes it's family that really don't really believe in it sometimes. Which, when you live in a home with your, your parents and it's, like, they your biggest, you want them to be your biggest supporters, but they just don't understand. And sometimes it's, it's just not, a, you know, they don't have to. You know, literally, my mom was like, oh, shit, you are somebody. I have a, I have a whole mural on my face that's, like, permanent, you know, not too far from me. That was, like, Oh shit! I get it now. It's, I'm, I'm 30 now. You should have been got it. I mean, I'm like, you know. So it, you just gotta keep working hard. Like as you go. When I was younger, I tried not to think about that because I knew the type of stuff we're doing. And you're a new generation. It's kind of hard to get people to understand what's in your mind. You know. So just keep going. I think to add on to that, you really shouldn't worry about anyone taking you seriously. You have to take you seriously. And if you take you seriously, it will seriously get taken. Okay? They will see it, whether they like it or not. And then you also have to remember, you're in a community that's that big. If someone else sees it, and it goes crazy, your community is going to look kind of stupid for not taking you seriously. But you got to take you seriously or no one else will. All right, folks, this is
folks, that's going to wrap up the conversation tonight. This is Office Hours Presents Balance and Fit. I'm Ernest Wilkins. Make some noise for Joe Fresh Goods and DJ Clark Kent. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. We appreciate it. We're good. Wealthy. Steph Floss. <laughs> Thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all.